0: So in the book of John, we've kind of talked about this in our last couple sermons. uh, We were kind of using to set up what John is doing. Um, John's goal is to reveal Jesus to us, reveal God in Jesus to us, a sort of revelation that is bursting in on the world. John wants to reveal that to us so that we would believe. And so... um, John is continuing that on now if you remember this was a couple of weeks ago, it feels like an eternity But a c- our last time we were in John we talked about what, why uh, testimony matters you remember for John um, it, It's important that he sets up witnesses and testimonies to uh, To kind of testify to what God is doing and so um, We see that in the in the passage here I'll, I'll read a, cu- a chunk of it again here and kind of highlight what's going on come Jesus replied This should be up on the screen um, and you will see Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, "We have found the Messiah. That is the Christ." And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at them and said, "You are, are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas." Uh, so, so what what happens here is is a couple of disciples, people who knew John the Baptist. You remember in our last sermon we talked about uh, John the Baptist. John is set up as John the Baptist is set up as this witness. These people. Go find friends. They tell them uh, what's going on, and, um, and, and they kind of, because of their, their, sh- their, like th- their trust of these people, these people who are, are witnesses or are, are giving testimony, they believe. And that's enough for some people. Sometimes other people's experiences can lead us to have faith in God. Sometimes that's all that it takes is just someone else's experience that we trust. That can be enough to bring us to faith in God. And, and we see that here in the passage. It's just John the Baptist is a reliable person who people looked up to. But that's not always true. Every party has a pooper, and there's like a a barrier to witness and belief, and John kind of gives an example of what that barrier is. And so what we're going to talk about today, this is kind of the big idea of today's sermon, is skepticism. Skepticism, something that we're all familiar with. I don't know if this is uniquely an American thing, but we're just really good at skepticism. We kind of celebrate skepticism. You'll notice uh, just going on Facebook or people you know, a lot of people are skeptical even about coronavirus, right? It's just a natural response that we have as Americans to different things, is to be skeptical of it. And it it definitely comes out when we talk about Jesus and the gospel, both for people who are are, are new to Christianity and also for, if we're being honest for a lot of Christians, a lot of times we ourselves can be skeptical of what we're hearing at church on Sunday mornings, what we're reading in the Bible. And I have to confess myself, like I struggle with this, too. I, I You could call me a recovering skeptic in a lot of ways. I'll, I'll be honest with you, this last week has been a big challenge. We've been thinking about what's going to happen. It's thrown a wrench in a lot of our plans and a lot of stuff that we've been trying to do. And I found myself skeptical that God is moving in this situation. I've had to kind of go to God in prayer often um, to kind of uh, reassure my skepticism. And maybe, maybe you are too. Maybe skepticism is something that you deal with. You're, you feel like you're plagued with what ifs all the time. And if that's you, I, I want to speak to that today. Or if you know someone like that, that's kind of what John is talking about. Now John is an intentional writer. We'll find that in the b- in the book as we go through it, and he's writing his book selectively. He's including, uh, like what he thinks of as son of like the best Jesus stories, some of the ones that kind of best illustrate what God is doing, how people respond to Jesus, to kind of give you a wider picture of of what's going on. So he knows that when people read this book. Um, they'll have doubts. Some people will have doubts when they read it. And so he tells the story of someone else who was skeptical, a guy named Nathaniel. And it's just a small story, right? You, you might read it and you might think, why was this included? It's not a long book. There's not a lot of stories. Why did John pick this story to throw in there? And I think that it's because John wanted to have a story in there for the people who read the book and were skeptical so that they could they could see that that's not necessarily a, t- a bad thing we're going to talk about good skepticism today and I think for John this is the ideal skeptic someone to be emulated so let me read that part of the passage again John 1 to 46 Philip found Nathanael and told him we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law about whom the prophets also wrote Jesus of Nazareth the son of Joseph Nazareth can anything good come from there Nathanael asked come and see said Philip so for whatever reason, Philip is one of these people that's kind of hearing about Jesus. He is like like some of the others ha- have heard from people he trusts about what's going on, and that's enough for him to believe. And for whatever reason, he thinks of this guy named Nathaniel, a buddy of his or someone he knows uh, lives lives near his hometown of Bethsaida in Cana. And for, for whatever reason, he thinks this guy Nathaniel, he probably would be interested in this. I'm going to go find him and I'm going to tell him about this. And so Philip goes and tells him, and for whatever reason, Nathanael is jaded. He's like, uh, dude, I don't know what you're talking about, um, and it sounds kind of crazy to me, and I, like, I'm not that interested in it. So um, that, that, that happens, and at some sometime later, Jesus um, goes up to Nathanael, and he says, dude, this is in verse 47, uh, hey, here is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. So this is maybe surprising, right? You might you might expect uh, if John brings up someone who's skeptical, you might expect uh, for a, for him to kind of give him a hard time, for for Jesus to to be harsh with him or to to challenge him, to, to condemn him in some way. I think that's how a lot of times um, Christians are taught to deal with skepticism or or non Christians. Uh, uh, feel like christians deal with them in their skepticism and that's not what jesus does at all i think that's kind of amazing he actually commends nathaniel for his discerning attitude he doesn't berate him he doesn't speak harshly to him i think this is big he doesn't treat nathaniel's skepticism as a threat he doesn't see the skepticism as something that's a challenge to what he's doing. He's actually kind of playful with Nathaniel. He kind of approaches him in a really non-threatening way. He's like, this guy, this guy here, He, he he's discerning. He knows what's up. He kind of, I don't know if there's a hint of sarcasm there or what, but he's playful with him. He, he comes to him in a non-threatening way. He doesn't just tell him, hey, you have to believe and give him some sort of otherworldly, you know, uh, cryptic response or something like that that challenges them. Jesus will challenge people in the book of John, we'll see, but he doesn't treat this skeptical person, Nathaniel, in that way. Why? why? Why is that? And that actually brings me to my first application point today, and that's that skepticism and doubt are not inherently bad. In fact, I would I would argue that a healthy skepticism is necessary to a strong faith. So instead of trying to stamp out skepticism and doubt Instead of just telling people they need to believe, just have faith, just trust harder, I actually want to give a plug today for like a healthy form of skepticism because I think that actually leads to a strong faith. Let me explain that. Um, Tim Keller in his book, uh, The Reason for God, he, he says, a faith without some doubts, this should be up on the screen for you, a faith without some doubts is like a human body without any antibodies in it, okay? Antibodies is maybe something you've been thinking about here lately. Um, he continues on, this is, won't be on the screen, um, people who blithely go through life too busy or indifferent to ask hard questions about why they believe as they do will find themselves defenseless against either the experience of tragedy or the probing questions of a smart skeptic. So what does he mean that, f- that a, d- a, a, a doubt operates like an antibody? So, if you're not familiar with antibodies, uh, antibodies are like a protective protein that are produced in our immune system that are in response to the presence of like a foreign substance. This is how our body deals with things that come in that are foreign, and so they end up protecting our bodies from things that are dangerous to it, like coronavirus. Um, and so, so think of like our faith as like a body. Okay, that's the that's the analogy here. So think of it that way. Now, when when a foreign substance comes into our faith that challenges it. To our body, to, to, uh, to our body of faith, think of it could be new information, one that seems to contradict our faith. Um, it could be a, a traumatic event. Many times people um, have, have doubt or skepticism because of some tragedy that happens to them or some hard thing that they just can't reconcile with what they think about who God is or something. Think of that like a foreign substance that comes into our body. Now, a a lot of uh, deconversion stories that you read online or you talk with people about, a lot of them have a common theme. Um, A lot of times people are raised up who who deconvert from christianity in like a strict environment where nobody questions the specifics of what the whole group believes and so this sort of self-reinforcing loop this sort of echo chamber gets created and so there's no protection when something foreign just walks in something that's not a part of of, of the faith a part of the the loop a part of the echo chamber walks in and that's that's contrary to the belief there's just no there's no way to deal with it well and so um and the reason that that that's true is because it had never been modeled to a lot of people in these really um, these really strict environments how to deal with, uh, w- you know, how to how to inc- like how to deal with that. And, and the way that you deal with it is to have like a healthy doubt, which means asking good questions about kind of re-examining what we believe, taking it out, uh, taking like if you think of like our faith as glasses, taking the glasses off, looking at them to make sure that there's no cracks or anything like that so that you can kind of examine what's there. And that had never been modeled for them. They'd never seen a good, uh, I think, response to that a lot of times. And so what happens is, again, sticking with the analogy, the faith gets sick and it dies. And the foreign substance actually kind of kills it. Um, and I think I think a lot of times the, the reason is because the, the people think the only type of faith was one with easy answers for everything, where, where everything I- you know makes perfect sense, you can't question what's going on. Um, But I actually think it's good for us to create a healthy environment where we examine what we believe and encourage this sort of healthy skepticism. Because when we do that, it's like a vaccine that comes into our body where we release the foreign substance in like a controlled setting where we can kind of learn how to respond to it. A- and, and a lot of times I think people, when they struggle with skepticism, your response is to shut yourself off from other people. Don't tell other people who, who have faith that you're struggling with it because you don't want to feel condemned or something, right? That's shouldn't, that shouldn't be the response. We should actually be talking about these things in community. shouldn't feel um, embarrassed about it. Because when that happens, it's kind of like a vaccine being released where you can kind of deal with it in a controlled setting where we can kind of examine what's going on. And, and when the body learns how to fight off a, an infectious disease w- because of our antibodies, like it knows how to deal with it next time. And the same is true when we have good skepticism, good healthy doubt, and we question what we believe. We can learn how to respond to those things and kind of grow stronger so that the next time that foreign substance comes in, we can fight it off a, m- a lot more easily. And we do this at Red City. We actually try to create these spaces where we can encourage healthy skepticism and doubt. Um, I don't know about w- how we're going to be doing this for the, you know, for the time being, but we do something called Views and Brews, where we try to meet at least once a month, and we get together. We just hang out o- over some beers or some coffee or something and just kind of talk about, like, questions we have, things that we're wrestling with about God and, and belief and faith, and we can kind of just talk about it in, like, a relaxed setting. It, it's kind of a safe space for anyone to bring up things that they're questioning, and we think that w- when you do that well, like, we can find good answers. We can find good responses to kind of deal with the foreign substance. That comes in and sometimes your faith will might change slightly because of that but it for sure will grow stronger and i think that that's important so if you're feeling doubt or skepticism about jesus or the bible maybe maybe again because of what's going on in our world right now like you're feeling a little bit of skepticism about about god's control or about god's goodness Um, i actually want to encourage you to explore that doubt in a healthy way you want to find healthy spaces for for deconstruction is what some people might call it but and this is a this is a big but I can't lie about it. We have to deconstruct things so that we can reconstruct it again. Um, skepticism for skepticism's sake leads to nothing. Asking questions with no desire for an answer that's not a healthy way to deal with skepticism. A lot of times we might think that that leads to freedom, but really it's just like it's just like you have a house and you tear the house down and you just choose to live on an empty plot of land instead of rebuilding the house back up again you know, rebuilding a better house, one that you, you, kind, of you kind of learn from the, the stuff in your old house, learning from the deficiencies of, of uh, the old house. And so what happens a lot of times when you have that type of unhealthy skepticism, you can't escape that sort of radical skepticism. It becomes like a pattern for how you deal with everything. If I can't trust this thing, then I probably can't trust that thing either. And if I can't trust that thing, then I can't trust this. And it just becomes this sort of never-ending sort of radical skepticism. And it's a recipe for despair, honestly, a lot of times. It's going to lead you to sort of not feeling like you can trust anything whatsoever. And this is why I think a healthy environment is so important. That leads to like a healthy skepticism, a healthy sort of questioning what we believe constantly so that we can grow stronger. It has a good goal. It has a good design to it. Now, a lot of times when people are 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 become skeptical, the thing that they fall back on is their experience. That kind of becomes the sovereign, the sovereign thing for them, and and so sometimes that's a that's a bad thing. But in we actually find in the story that you know, Jesus kind of commends Nathaniel's experience. It actually becomes an important part of why Nathaniel uh, comes to believe. So let me jump into the passage here, John one forty six to forty eight. Nathanael says, Nazareth, can anything good from come from there? Come and see, said Philip. When Jesus saw Nan- Nathanael approaching, he said, and this is stuff we read before, um, here's, a, here's truly an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael says, how do you know me? And Jesus answers, I saw you while you were uh, still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Okay, so let's just pause and see what's going on here. Nathaniel, discerning guy that he is, he's, he's sitting there and he hears about this guy who's come from Nazareth. And in Nathaniel's experience, he's not seen anything good come from the city of Nazareth. Nathan- Nazareth is Loserville to Nathaniel. This guy, Jesus, he's probably a loser, too, if he comes from Nazareth. And his whole, you know, Messiah movement's probably a loser movement, too, right? In Nathaniel's experience, you know, what good could come from this? Nothing whatsoever. And so he just doesn't think, I got to pay attention to it. And, And maybe you have... You know, growing up, you had some, some nearby city that you thought, you know, everyone who comes from this city probably stinks and, or whatever. The, 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 the school in town that was your big rival, you thought everyone that comes from this school, they kind of suck or whatever. Whatever. You maybe kind of know what Nathaniel's dealing with there. But here's the thing. Nathaniel's experience proves to be wrong. Find out Nathaniel finds out that his experience is not sovereign. Just because he's never experienced anything good that's come from Nazareth doesn't mean that something good couldn't come from Nazareth. In fact, the greatest thing ever that ever existed could come from Nazareth. And this leads to my next point of application. Healthy skepticism leads to experiences of challenge that then lead to experiences of deeper faith. Unhealthy skepticism in contrast won't allow itself to be challenged So the whole point here is coming to know Jesus and sometimes Maybe we that where we meet that with skepticism Sometimes that leads us to actually go deeper and 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 that challenge that causes our faith to grow Think of our faith like a muscle, right? How do you build your muscle? Well? You go to a, a weight room and you break it down by by you tear it down by lifting heavy weights so that it builds itself back stronger again and, and you have to work it out. You it has to be constantly being exercised and worked. I think our faith is like a muscle in that way. It's good for us to constantly be working it because it's going to build back up stronger. We're going to have a better faith than before. Again, if we're putting ourselves, we're allowing ourselves to kind of have a healthy skepticism of things because that will lead us to have experiences where we know just because something is a challenge to my faith. I've had experiences in the past where that didn't lead for my faith to be destroyed. In fact, actually, I found myself growing deeper. I, I knew Jesus in a deeper way because I was willing to question what I believed. And I think that it's good for our faith to do that, too, just like a muscle. Now, an unhealthy version of that is just thinks whatever experience is making me skeptical right now, that's forever. That thing, I just fear that experience. And, and it kind of casts a shadow over everything that I have for the rest of my life. And that becomes, like, the only experience that matters. I think that's a form of despair, if I'm being honest. Like, to, to be stuck in, an, in a past experience, uh, one that leads to skepticism, that doesn't let you trust that any new experience could, could, could be true, I think that's an unhealthy place to be. I think that's a type of despair. And so um, I don't want you to be stuck sort of in the, in the tyranny of that eternal, like, you know, this is the only experience that matters. Be open to having a uh, new experience that challenges your old experience. Because what happens when we're able, we're let, we let ourselves do that, like Nathaniel does, is we will experience Jesus in a new and greater way. We'll experience what God is doing in ways that we can't quite comprehend. Continuing on in the passage here, uh, verses forty-nine and fifty-one. Then Nathaniel declared, "Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel." And Jesus said, "You believe because I told you. I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that." He then added, "Very truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man." So Nathaniel is again. He's he's never seen anything good for, come from Nazareth, and Jesus tells him, "Hey, I." because of you know uh, apparently i'm supernatural i can see things like this i saw where you were sitting earlier today you were under that fig tree and nathaniel's like whoa how'd you know that dude you're the king of israel it's like a pretty big 180 that nathaniel turns here but we see how powerful that experience can be and jesus uses that to bring nathaniel to belief so he he understands like what is it that's going to cause again instead of viewing his skepticism as a threat or something that for him to challenge or rebuke, he actually views it as an opportunity to sort of use a, a greater experience to kind of bring him to belief. And I think that's how Jesus acts with us too. Paul in in, in um, the book of First Corinthians, he talks about how uh, and he's talking to a congregation of people who are, think they're really smart, they think they know everything about uh, the gospel and Jesus already, and they kind of use that knowledge to go around and bully other people. A- and, Jesus, and, and Paul says to them, okay, you think you know God, but really, actually, and he kind of says this as an aside, I think it's in chapter 8, where he goes, actually, what matters is that you're known by God. Not that you know God, but you're known by him. I think that's what's happening here. Nathanael is known by Jesus, and as Jesus knows Nathanael, he knows what, like, experience is going to grab him. And that's why I think uh, he's John's ideal skeptic. He believes when he's confronted with truth or or with this greater experience. He's not stuck in that old experience, right? Remember, Nathaniel apparently thought that people from Nazareth were no good. But then this greater experience comes along, and Nathaniel's willing to let go of that old experience so quickly because this new one has brought him to a greater and deeper truth. That's one that's more uh, great and, 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 uh, and unimaginable than that old one, one that's a better experience, a good one. That leads him to hope that that he abandons it quickly for that experience. He no, he's not. You know, he's not. Um, he's not dumb about it, right? He's still honest and discerning. Remember, Jesus is sort of. You know commended him for, for being willing to, to ask hard questions about things, but but he wants to he, he wants to use that skepticism as a tool to sort of build a better house, and it's th- the skepticism is not the house itself. That's not what the house is built out of is skepticism. It's just one part of building the greater house, which is faith, which is knowing Jesus, which is a worldview that is rooted in something deeper than your experience, and so he actually kind of sub- catches Jesus off guard. It's kind of funny. I mean, it's so fast that he's surprised, and he tells them, if that blew your mind, dude, just wait. <laughs> and then he he kind of ex- he goes on to this, uh, to, to to tell to tell him what he's gonna experience when he follows him. He says um, a whole new world is open to you, Nathaniel, because of what you're believing. He says to him you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, what he's alluding to here is is a, a story from the Old Testament, a, a, the story of Jacob's ladder. Some of you may be familiar with it. Many of you may be, maybe are not. I'll just kind of briefly sketch up what's going on here. Uh, specifically, the angels this ascending and descending is the clue to us that we we see this. But it's a story about a guy named Jacob. He's the grandson of Abraham. We've we've talked about Abraham in the past. He's the the one who starts off the nation of Israel. He and his wife Sarah. His, this guy Jacob. He's kind of a uh, he's kind of off on the run. He's kind of off on himself, and he's taking a nap uh, one night uh, in a random place, and um, he has a dream of like a tear in whatever the fabric that separates heaven and earth is whatever that whatever that is he has a dream about a tear in the middle of that and in that moment in that dream heaven is is spilling into earth like like a water from a hose into a pool okay and 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 he sees this. He sees angels going back and forth at, at this kind of place where, where heaven and earth meet. And the dream ends. The terror isn't there anymore. And earth remains subject to the kind of decay that kind of cut off from the life that comes from heaven, from God's space, except for drips and drops through what God goes on to do in Jacob and in the rest of his family, Israel. And so people are waiting uh, generations for God to do something. Maybe that's what maybe that's what makes Nathaniel skeptical is he's heard he's heard so many people come along and say hey hey well God is God is doing something great now God is 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 you know bringing heaven to earth like like we always had hoped for what we'd seen in glimpses at times in the past and Nathaniel's like I've heard this a million times I don't believe it anymore guys maybe that's maybe that's why he's skeptical but we we get this story in in uh Genesis 28 where we see that um and 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 Jesus meets Nathaniel and he tells him Oh, you know that story about Jacob, about your 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 ancestor Jacob who saw heaven and earth kind of come together and angels ascending and descending. Well, guess what, dude? I'm the tear. Okay, that tear between heaven and earth, that's me. And, and I'm the break between worlds and, and just wait and see what happens when heaven spills into earth uninterrupted. When, when the dream doesn't end or that doesn't stop. Heaven keeps breaking into earth. That's what's going to happen in my ministry. That's what, that's what you're going to experience if you follow me. There, there's no patching this tear up, dude. No waking up from this dream. You're, we're going to get heaven everywhere all around here and it's going to be because of me and your experience the categories that you have had in the past to, 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 to kind of uh, take to categorize things that that you, you don't have a category for what's going to happen through me and, 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 and Nathaniel just drops everything and follows Jesus and it's, it's awesome. Uh, he, he's going to see heaven spill into earth and he can't help but recognize that Jesus is the terror. And that's what it's like for us too. Um, and We experience Jesus through all sorts of different ways. Maybe you've experienced Jesus in some sort of supernatural thing like what happens to Nathaniel. Maybe you've just you, your ex- main experience of Jesus has come in Bible study. Maybe it's come in worship. Maybe it's come... In, in a church community where you've seen others showing the love of Jesus. May- maybe it's been like some of those disciples we talked about earlier, where, where someone you trusted, someone you knew, you respected, um, you trusted them, and that was the reason you, you, you experienced Jesus, you followed him. Maybe it's been in prayer. Um, maybe it's been in tragedy. Uh, let's be honest. A lot of times we will meet Jesus in really hard circumstances, in tragedy. Um, we're in the middle of one right now. A lot of people are going to be experiencing Jesus um a lot of people are going to be known by Jesus I think in the midst of of what's going on in the world right now and and, and this is actually I want to use that as sort of my my final point of application here today um I want you to to take this time of uncertainty and waiting I want you to take that and try to be intentional to experience Jesus in it if we're honest we do this really well as Americans we we fill ourselves up with with things to do like up to the gills, right? We, we just, we are always looking for new things to take on. And what we do, when we do that a lot of times, we don't like to say this. We like to think about how much good stuff we're doing. And we are, okay? I, I'm not, like, questioning that the stuff you're doing is good or the stuff you're trying to do by keeping yourself busy is good. But we end up elbowing we elbowing Jesus out. We're, like, in the low post, and we're, you know, we're, we're kind of boxing Jesus out with our elbows. That's We do that a lot of times wi- with all sorts of other things. Well, guess what? you're under house arrest right now basically and you might be for a little while okay there's no getting around it instead of being upset about it i want you to really be uh like willing to to let heaven spill into earth through jesus over this time you don't have any excuses now that you're busy that there are other more important things to do you you don't have those anymore okay you you don't you 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 have a lot of time to sit and to seek jesus out to try to experience him through reading um uh reading your bible through prayer through engaging with people in creative ways uh, over a community it through serving a lot of people are going to experience jesus by serving others by being like jesus and going out and helping people who are sick and who are who are maybe dying and trying to bring them back to health like people are going to experience jesus through doing that stuff Okay, they don't have a lot of a choice. And I want to challenge you to be really thoughtful about trying to experience him in this time. If you're filled with uncertainty right now, when you're experiencing Jesus, you're going to see hope. You're going to see his sovereignty. You're not going to feel trapped by your experience of fear in the moment. Okay, so seek him out. uh, uh, Be willing to to kind of have experience um, that that transcends the experience of whatever you're feeling right now. Okay, you have the time. And as your pastor, I want to challenge you to do that. All right, so that's kind of what I have for the message today. And it doesn't sound like we have any questions, so um, we're just going to move on. That's okay. That means uh, I d- was so thorough. I answered all your questions, and I'm okay with that too. Um, but maybe next week, uh, maybe next week I won't be so thorough. So we're going to kind of keep up that pattern even though we're not doing it now. So what I want to do is I want to, uh, just close us with a benediction. Uh, I'm going to pray for us and, and we're not going to do it this week because we want to kind of give you guys an advance warning of it. But, but next week, like, like Julie said earlier, if you can, if you have a chance to run to the grocery store, you have some bread and some grape juice or if you have real wine laying around, you can use that too, that's okay. Um, but I think it will be a really cool thing for us. One of the one of the things about communion that is so uh important is that um we're causing ourselves to be connected. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians uh 10 that we all take bread from the same loaf, and that's symbolic obviously, but because we're taking bread from the same loaf, we're connected. And, and we're we're reminding of ourselves of that when we take communion because we're all taking the same bread and the same cup at the same time. And I think it will be a really cool way for us to to symbolize our connection to one another, even though we're not able to be with each other physically right now. If we all took communion in our homes at the same time, I actually think that would really help us to feel that connection. So next week, if you if you are able to get some um. Let us know if you're trapped inside, you can't go out and you need some help getting some bread and some grape juice or you really like to have that. Let me or Julie know. Shoot us a text, send us an email and we'll try to make sure you can get some Um, because I think that would be really good for us. So let me pray and then uh, I'm going to have a benediction for us and we'll close and we'll be done and you guys can uh, get back to your uh, normal lives of sitting around and watching Netflix. Lord, thank you that you meet us in our experience. Thank you that you're tender with us, Lord. You, you deal with our skepticism, our doubts, some of which are good, some of which are bad. You you deal with them tenderly. You, you respond to us in love and care, and we thank you that that is the way that you approach us. Um, I pray that over this time of uncertainty where people are having maybe experiences of fear, uh, of of, of not knowing what's coming, God, uh, uh, that leads to anxiety or doubt. I pray that you would meet us, God, that we would be known by you in this time. Um, help us to um, be able to, to know how to meet you well. And I pray that when you do meet us, God, we would respond like Nathaniel does. We would respond um, in, in, in a great expectation of what you're doing, Lord, one that is that is doesn't know what the, the full extent to how you're meeting us, um, but but that one that is faithfully expectant and waits for that. I pray that that would be how you would meet us in this time, God. Help us to stay connected with one another, well, Lord. Help us to not lose the bond um, that we have as a church. I pray that you would you would put your Holy Spirit into the internet, God, over this time and help it to connect us well. Um, we pray all of this uh, in the name of your Son Jesus. Amen. All right, and here's our benediction that we're going to close from. It's, it comes from Ephesians three sixteen to 21. I've tweaked it a little bit. Um, you, you'll hear as I go through it, but this is our benediction for you all. I pray that Jesus strengthens you with power through his spirit wherever you are, wherever you are at right now in your inner being, so that G- Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith with the appropriate amounts of healthy skepticism when that's necessary. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people, connected in our various ways, watching this from wherever we are, uh, to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more uh, than, than all we ask or imagine— including in the midst of pandemics and tragedies, whatever comes at us, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go this week in peace, and we'll see you next Sunday.